Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome back once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. So great to have you guys with me on the program. Uh, and I'm very excited. I know I always say that, but I am very excited about today's episode. Um, my guest has been on the podcast before, but boy, do we have a change of content today. There is a three-letter acronym that he and I used to talk about all the time. I don't even know if we're going to mention it today, other than to say that we're not mentioning it today. But um, before I dive in, I just want to make sure that you guys know there's two ways to listen to Demand Gen Radio. One is on, a, on your favorite podcast app, on iTunes, on iHeart, Spotify, you name it, whatever podcast app you're using, uh, I think you can find us there. If not, let me know, because then then I got to make sure our marketing team gets us on that platform as well. The other way is on our YouTube channel. And you know, you hear me promoting the YouTube channel. One is, I'd love for you guys to see the guests and, and just interact with us in a visual way, because I think it's a, a more powerful conversation. But the second reason is, there are other playlists of content on demandgen.tv, our YouTube channel, uh, which is MarTech demos and sales tech demos and and with our Demand Genius uh, playlist, which is how Demand Gen does Demand Gen and other practitioners use these tools. So we've got a playlist for the podcast, but we've got playlists for that other content. And I want to make sure that you guys get all forms. We crossed the 1300 subscriber mark. Thanks to you guys. That's a major milestone. Trust me, that, that road to the first thousand subscribers, that is a big road up a steep, steep hill and couldn't have done it without you guys. I think we'll get to 2000 before the end of the year. And then we're on our way to 10,000. And I love building content for you guys to teach you the methods and technologies for driving growth. And that, of course, is our focus today. So please welcome my guests. Many of you know him. He's back on the program. Sangram, good to see you. Good to see you, David. Wow, man. Quite an intro. Great production. I love it. I'm excited to be here. As a fellow podcaster, uh, I know I know you uh, appreciate the lighting, the camera, the, the special effects, all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, I love you, man. I miss you. And we, we kicked off right before uh, we hit record for all of you and, and talk about how much we miss each other. Sangram and I met many, many years ago and and felt like uh, just a very strong connection. We, we share so many similar passions around people, around marketing and around uh, growing companies. So welcome back, man. I missed you. Thanks. Thanks, man. Uh, you know, the, the, it's like you're on that on the list. You're on one of those text people. I'm like, if I don't talk to this person on a regular basis, I'm going to have a void in my life. Uh, and that is just a true statement. So like we need to get back and, and the, everything just I think it happened with the virus and all the stuff. Families got closer, relationship got strange. And I think I, and I think many people are now re reassessing everything and saying, okay, fine. Now we have gone through this. Yeah. Who are the other pillars in our life that we don't see each other? And if you don't become intentional about it, we actually won't see each other at all. And, yeah. and, and I think that would be a big miss. So let's let's share that as one action item for today's podcast. If we do, if we talk about nothing else, but we're going to talk about a lot. We got some exciting news for you guys. Um, reach out to someone who you care, who you who you bond with, and just just are missing. And and everyone has one one person. And for me, Sangraman, I, I love that we're doing our catch up call uh, with our quote live audience. You wrote a new book, and that is the focus of today. The book drops on what date? You you gave me a sneak preview of which yeah, I'm, I'm more than halfway through. 21st. Yeah. Today yep. is officially the 15th when this was recorded. 
So uh, for those of you, hopefully we'll get this episode out before the 21st, but if not, the new book is called Move, the four-question go-to-market framework. And, you know, I was saying, I don't even want to mention it. There's that three-letter acronym that begins with the letter A. <laughs> That's what we always would talk about together, and we talk about the team framework and some of the previous books. And, and Sangram, this is a very different book. In fact, when I read it, I kind of felt like one of the primary audiences could be the CEO uh, and not a head of marketing. So tell me, where, what was the genesis of the book, and, and what do you hope to do with it? This book is fundamentally for the C-suite like this and, and, and really for the CEO. Like I would love to be in organizations today where I don't want to be in front of a 3000 people crowd. I would rather be in front of 10 people, closed room, C-level executive people coming together and talking about how are they going to move the business forward. That's what this book is all about. And the genesis for this really has been this whole idea of valley of death. I would encourage people to go and look at and research uh, how do companies get into the valley of death, the SaaS valley of death. And I was shocked to find out, David, that it, starting a company, you and I both know, is, is hard enough. Getting to a million is hard enough. Mm-hmm. And then getting to 10 million is hard enough. But, but the reality is once you hit five or $10 million, less than 0.04%, 0.04% based on the studies from McKinsey and others, less than 0.04% even hit a 10 million or 25. Wow. So you actually go down in, in the number of companies actually successful goes down. Like there's a huge yeah. 1 million and then, then a valley of death. So when as Terminus went from, you know, a million to five to 15 to now 50, we are, we, I've gone through the valley of death. I feel like four times mm-hmm. where I felt it's done. Yeah. It's gone. And, and what I recognized what as much as I love the idea of building a category, and, and, and that's in many ways what we did at Terminus, if, you, if we don't have a better go-to-market excellence, a process of go-to-market that needs to transform and change with every stage of the business, there's, there's no way we can come out of it. And every time we have to transform a lot of things. And that's what this book really comes down. So just yeah. became a student of it for two years, yeah. learning what it really means. It's, a, it's, a, it's definitely a, a playbook, recipe book, if you will, for um, helping you to build and scale a company. You said, you said 0.04% make it past 10 million 0.04 wow i feel in I, I feel like we're in a special special club i absolutely i i mean i it's books like this that i wish i had certainly earlier in my career and i'll, I'll tell you two things as we about to dive into the content um i joined vistage international do you know the name vistage yeah. okay speakers yeah and and so i joined vistage as a ceo part it's a it's a group there's like 12 to 16 people that you meet with every single month and you have a coach and they became a client of ours way back in the day. That's how I learned about them. And so I'm out there doing a lead scoring workshop back when I was at, you know, we were small, 10 people and I was one of the consultants and I learned about them and I joined because I was right at that point where we were doing about 2 million in revenue. And they said, you know, if you want to get to the next level, cause you already crossed the million dollar mark, which is hard, but if you want to get to the next level, this peer group could be a really good thing for you. And so what I'd say to you is eight of the 12 months of the year, they would have an outside speaker, someone like yourself, come in who had a book or had a methodology and would talk to all of us. So if you want me to hook up with those people, um, great, great group. I would that, love to do that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I took to, to keep it. Like, I think I felt like my previous life until this point was evangelizing the idea of to every marketer, there's a better way to do marketing and sales. Yeah. This, I want to evangelize to every CEO. Like there's just, a, there is no reason I feel as a founder, man, when you hit 10 million and stuff, 
it's time for you to celebrate. I, I was just literally right before this call, I was with a CEO who hit 10 million and he was high flying. And I don't know because I've been there. He was excited. He was like, man, I got everything going now. And I'm like, dude, just humble yourself yeah. <laughs> because for the next six months to a year, you're going to feel like everything is just hitting the fan. You're All of a sudden, your customer success team is going to be saying that these are the not customers. All of a sudden, you want to buy a new product and now you're introducing more complexity in your business. All of a sudden, your investors are going to expect returns, which is going to get you to drive more acquisition cost, but your retention may not is clearly not there right now. Yeah. So you're going to have tremendous amount of pain later on. So, but but we are so quick, so quick to jump the gun on some of these things that not taking the time to go from problem to product to platform can literally be the reason why companies stay in Valley of Death. Yeah. Well, uh, there was a book that I read. Uh, it was in uh, Salzburg, Austria. And that's, you know, where The Sound of Music was filmed. Do you ever see The Sound of Music, by the way? No, I have not. Oh, my. I, you know, I had a feeling like he's maybe not seen that. Uh, and Sound I was music. on the roof. Uh, yeah. My daughter had just graduated high school, heading to college. And I was on the roof and I was reading a book. And that book was right when we were at about $8 million in revenue. And I, and I felt like we were struggling to get to that next le level of growth. And that book helped me get to the next level. And it was a, a turning point. And, and now that we joined BDO Digital in March of this year, it's amazing our growth has been like exponential. Uh, once we once we had, you know, the, the, the seed was planted, the tree grew to a certain size and it was healthy and it was thriving, but it needed to be in a bigger pot. And yeah. so we literally transplanted our tree into an organization that gave us a much bigger platform. And I, I think we've grown uh, people-wise, something like 30% in just the last uh, several months. And you know, in a services business, if you're growing like that, there's a direct uh, direct connection to revenue. Anyway, enough about us. Um, the point is that if, if we have books out there, and this is your third, to help us give us the recipes uh, to drive growth, um, we should get those books. So let's talk about Move. What's interesting in the book, though, you don't talk about move right away. You you give a tremendous amount of foreplay, many uh, many chapters around the six truths of go to market. Should we start there before we get to move? Yeah, we we totally we could literally start with the three P's because I think that's really where you were going as yeah. you were chatting about and saying if you don't understand anybody listening right now, if they don't know what stage of the business they are in, they won't be able to apply move or able to figure out what their next move really should be. Well, let's start there. Let's start at the start. Um, start at the start. The, you know, there are four P's in marketing. Don't be confused. These are not the same P's. Well, <laughs> one, of, one of them is. Maybe, maybe <laughs> slightly. So so here's what the three P's are. And then we'll have the slide, you know, when you watch on YouTube, I think people can see that. Yeah. Uh, this thinking, picture in your head, the three stages, problem market fit, product market fit, platform market fit. Those are the three P's, problem, product, platform. Now, I'm about to share some stuff that I had no idea that when the research that this will come out, you could be a $20 million company still in problem market fit. So don't look at problem market fit as ideation stage, kind of, you know, just early pre-revenue. No, no, no. You could be a $20 million company, and I met several of them who are who haven't figured out the right use case, the right industry, the right re repeatable, scalable process in order to become product market fit. And they're still getting a ton of customers on the top, but are not able to retain them and are not able to replicate them. So they are a, a 20 million, 30 million sometimes company still sitting in problem market fit. 
And the reason for that can be because a lot of early companies are so led from a go-to-market sales perspective by the CEO or by a head of sales that you may have not done enough to really develop who that, that ICP is. Yeah. Totally. Like at that point, most of the time it's a sales founder led process, right? Like they're the, the, they the only one who can come close it. You don't get out of your own way. Mm-hmm. Uh, happened to me, happened to a lot of us uh, in the early stage because you become the best, you become the product really mm-hmm. of getting your company to uh, somebody to buy from it. Which we didn't, you didn't talk about this in the book and we haven't talked about it yet. When marketing joins an organization, is there a way for them to tell whether they're at that pre-stage or now at the right stage? Because you're going to hire someone in marketing when you're probably at 10 million, if not before. But certainly, you know, that's when you might be looking at private equity or ways to get to the next level of growth. So it's complicated for marketing, right? If you're looking at your install base and you're looking at what and wait, that doesn't really represent the future. No, absolutely right. What's interesting about that, I'm glad, so glad. You remember in the in the book towards the end, we have this one page where the three P's, the move framework, all the metrics, all of it comes together. Yeah. I think that's like the, the like really, the, I'm really proud of that. The reason product market fit, and this is the most overused term out there in the SaaS industry, right? Product market fit. But it's interesting because this is where marketing's role becomes super important. Marketing's job at this point is to make this work and incrementally, exponentially just grow that business. That is their job. Marketing really doesn't play a whole bunch of role in, in the problem market fed. It, it's, it's really early stage. They may be there for just creating awareness and, and default, but actually revenue, marketing attribution to revenue, mm-hmm. that happens in product market fit. And then what's interesting, and I want to go to platform market fit, and then I will share the value of death, where it comes about. At some point, at some point in product market fit, you could be a $50 million business and still be in a product market fit and not cross. You may be even $70, $80 million company and still be a product market fit, meaning you have one product that sells well and that's it. But what happens is at some point, your customers are going to start demanding from you to have more features. At some point, you're going to have competitors coming in and and now that's going to knock you off and and you're going to be like, all right, what do I have to compete? So I need other things to add on. At some point, your sales team is going to want new bells and whistles to sell the existing customers so you can have a greater wallet of share with your existing. So you are forced, if you don't want it or not, it doesn't matter. You're forced to become a platform and the, the process is important. And that's what a platform is when you have more than one product services to sell on. Yeah. And then your market can also expand. Until this point, your market never expanded. Your market was the same market you were going in problem market fit, product market fit. But now that you have more than one product to sell to more than one type of use cases and, and people, now it's become more complicated and a bigger opportunity, but it requires a completely different, as you can imagine, go-to-market motions. Yeah. So where companies fail, going back to the 0.04%, the value of debt is actually not in these stages, is actually in between these stages. Interesting. They, the, It's a squiggly line. It's not a straight line. No company out there until today that I have all the research I've done, and you can tell me if you, you see it, because we see all these like straight and up and to the right, but nobody tells what happens in the month and a quarter. You and I both have seen it. That's not how every month, every quarter looks like. Some right. are just all over the place. So yeah. it's a squiggly line. So what happens is when companies go from, let's say a $10 million to 11 or 20, 15, $20 million, they actually dip because everything changes for them. The, the, skew, the skews change, the pricing change, the market change, everything is changing. Now the customer success is involved. Operations is different now. Multiple products are involved. So there is actual natural dip that happens 
that in order for you to accelerate, if you're in sports, you know what it means. It's like you have to bend down and, and jump from your knees up in order to jump higher. You can't just jump from wherever it is. That's really how we should be looking at this squiggly line is to jump to the next level. But companies die in these, these transformation stages because they, they, they don't reinvent their go-to-market. They yeah. reinvent product. Right. They reinvent vision. They reinvent all, but not their go-to-market. Yeah, one of the terms that I learned, which I, again, back going to, to, to Austria, they company life cycle, like you're talking about that dip, uh, they talk about the founder's trap, where yeah. the founder thought the business is X, and they really understood that how to serve that customer in that market after doing it for a while. But they didn't understand, like you said, the move from, from product to platform. And we, we, can, we can look at you know, the, the railroads and say, were the railroads in the railroad business or were they in the transportation business? You know, because we haven't yeah. seen an airline that you know, came out of the, the, the train business. And maybe there's reasons for that. But uh, I'll give you just a, a personal thing. And I think as, as people are thinking uh, on this podcast about the business that you're in. I mean, maybe you're an entrepreneur and you're tuning in uh, because you want to understand the move framework and you want to understand uh, Sangram's research and findings and recommendations for how to scale the business. But I would also think if you're in sales and marketing, you should be asking yourself, where is your company today and how you will need to adapt to go to market as the company evolves? So when I started the, the business back in 2007, Sangram, do you know what we did back then? The only thing that we pretty much did back then? Was it marketing automation? Uh, specific, yes. And specifically Eloqua. Every single wow. one of our customers used Eloqua. We didn't have a Marketo customer, didn't exist. We didn't have, yeah. we didn't have any, uh, we didn't have a, a silver pop. We didn't have a MailChimp. We didn't have a, a vertical response, all those other tools that were out there. Every one of our clients had Eloqua. And, you know, that is one of the reasons, you know, in the book, I talk about the truth. One of the truth is, truths are small is the new big. You're literally an example of that. I remember in the early days when we were trying to pitch Terminus, we're like, yeah, we're trying to go build this category. It's a $5 billion category. Well, nobody really cares. There's no such, you know, we still have thousand customers. Like mm -hmm. it's not going to all of a sudden become a $5 billion. So everybody understands that. But what you did there, what you niche down on this one particular vertical, you actually tried, created a product market fit yeah. from the get-go. You jumped on the fact that I need to nail this particular vertical with all Eloqua, be the best at it in order for you to have. And that, that is exactly the kind of examples. Let's talk about, um, you know, we, we talked about like HubSpot before we started record. Mm -hmm. They started in a problem market fit on the SMB owners and marketing. Mm -hmm. in, 20, in 2009, they figured out marketing automation is really where the money is and everybody's getting into it. And they focused on that. That's how they became a real company. And, and now we all know they have a flywheel, like the platform market fit. Yeah. You can even use a B2C example, like Morning Brew, Mm -hmm. Right. Like, you know, Morning Brew or Skim, all these newsletter companies, they they essentially said, you know what? Millennials want to run, want to know the business news, but they don't want to read it like it is on Wall Street Journal. So what they started was a daily newsletter focused on millennials, very focused and their business and life. Mm -hmm. That's problem market fit, product market fit. They created one newsletter. That's it. That's one product. Nothing else but one product. Uh, but Morning Brew, I think, hit like three million in revenue by 2018 on that one single product. And now yeah. they're a platform market fit. They're a 20 million dollar business, and they have a marketing newsletter. They have a tech newsletter. They have a retail newsletter. Yeah. So 
you, you know, Joe Rogan, like we're doing a podcast, like he started with answering questions on Twitter, mm-hmm. became the best podcaster out there by 2011, and now has a $100 million deal with Spotify for his platform now. So this idea of problem to product to platform, I think people can use it for B2B, for B2C, for personal brand. And I think your example of you going after Eloqua for the beginning of the year is a perfect example of why you have been so successful. It was, it was, it was interesting. I, I, I mean, there, there's a whole book of content. We're just, we're just starting with the three Ps. This is so important for sales and marketing to be thinking about this and, and, and where your company is. And you have to do it in the order that Sangram said, because we've all seen the companies uh, that go too wide and too broad and try to do everything at once. You have to niche. It, sometimes you heard the term beachhead, right? You have to have a niche. The podcast, let's take Demand Gen Radio. I obsess about guests for the program. And I have a I have a mind map of who should be on there. And the mind map makes perfect sense to me on the kind of content that we should have on the program. But I also know what you're saying in the book. If I don't niche the content to demand, it's called demand gen radio. So if we don't talk about demand generation, demand creation, demand management, demand expansion, all demand generation, then I won't develop an audience of people that say, I listen to this because I learned the methods and technologies for driving growth, or I learned demand generation. If I try to cover way too much in the field of marketing, that's pretty hard to pull off. But once you develop that, that market and you listen to what that market wants, you have to adapt and expand unless, unless the niche play is the niche play. But in a product business, why did you guys sell Pardot, you know, an exact target to Salesforce? Salesforce is a CRM company. Why did they need to do anything else? Well, there's a great example that they took a CRM and Salesforce and went into other market segments with their platform, which their customers needed. And they also bought ancillary tools, Adobe, the same thing. Adobe started in, in creative tools. Look where they are now and how expansive they are with their product line. So it's great that you start off there and really help people understand where are you and, and follow this, uh, this piece. That wasn't how we wrote the book. Right. The book we wrote, we, we wrote 70, 80% of the book was done with the move framework. Yeah. And then we went and had conversations with Brian Halligan, the CEO of HubSpot. Oh, great guy. Um, that, right? uh, J- Jeffrey Moore, who wrote Crossing the Chasm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Meta, who, you know, CEO of Gainsight. Kelly Ford, who's a VC with 200 plus exits. Um, all the CMOs that you and I know, like Megan Eisenberg and Sydney Sloan and others, and recognize that, oh my God, as much as the operational elements we're about to talk in the move, we will share and people will get it. The C-level executive doesn't use that language at all. Right. Like Brian, when I said, Brian, what, when I say to you, what is what, what do you mean by go to market and who owns it? He's like, first of all, I own it. I'm like, what? A CEO owns it? He's like, yes, I own it. You're a 100,000 people company, uh, 100,000 customer company. You're a public company. You have a corporate uh, team uh, that runs all the st- industry, that runs all the go to market stuff. He's like, no, no, no. I own go to market. And I asked him, like, how do you define go-to-market? He said, to me, go-to-market is a product. It's a product. He's like, it is not something I go out and, and with my team over the weekend to figure out. No, that's vision casting. That's different. 
Go-to-market is an ongoing process for me to transform my business that's going to make decisions on a weekly, monthly, quarterly basis. Maybe we need to acquire a new company. Maybe we need to expand a new region. Maybe we need to change our partnership relationship. Maybe we need to change our agency thing. So these are the things that a CEO is thinking about. Mm -hmm. And that fundamentally changed my view. Worst of all, the CEO owns go-to-market. I never thought that will be true. And everybody, Nick, to everybody said the same. And the second part was when that happened, I'm like, well, how do you know what to do when you go to market? And they used different phrasing for it, which I stitched together and pulled into the three P's of problem, product, and platform. Mm-hmm. But they continued to win. We want to make sure that we have a singular way to go after it. Well, they were talking about product. We, we wanted to make sure that the problem exists and, and people can buy it and there's money to be played. Well, that's problem market. We wanted to make sure at some point, Scott Dorsey, who sold exact target to Salesforce, mm-hmm. he brought us on the platform. He said, what kept me up was, all these different companies, they're all starting to do the same things that we so well do when we are in a product market fit. So we needed to find a way to expand our business. And in order to expand our business, we need to figure out what other we need. That's why they started to acquire Pardot and other companies. Mm-hmm. And that became a platform market fit conversation. So the words that I gave was literally came in, which is why the way you read the book, I had to rearrange it all with Brian, my, my co-author, and say, we got to talk about this before, because if people don't know what stage of the business they are in, they won't be able to figure out what their next move needs to be. Yeah. For me, I, I remember, you know, I said, Rare Roots was Aliqua. And then yeah. I discovered Marketo at a, you know, I was playing poker with a bunch of buddies and, and one of the guys was employee number seven there. And he told me what they were working on. I'm like, I need to go check it out. And I literally had one of the guys who was with me from the very beginning say, wait, we're going to expand into Marketo. I'm like, absolutely. And he goes, you're going to kill the company. Hmm. And, and this became a headbutting uh, alpha male war between me and him. I, I clearly won. And he, he departed the company shortly thereafter. He was so worried that all of our expertise was in one area. We knew that customer, that market, that platform, that if I was taking us in this direction, I was going to pivot the company and, and try to be, quote, all things to all people or whatever he was feeling at the time. And I said, nah, like what we do as our mission and what we provide has not changed. And because someone uses a different platform for their go to market and in marketing that now we're not going to do every platform because every single platform is not who our ICP is. But then we expanded into CRM, then we expanded into MarTech and sales tech. And, and before we knew it, we had gone from this marketing automation consulting firm to really being a marketing operations or, or architects, if you will, of a modern marketing and modern sales environment. That became our platform that we were doing. But to your point saying, I didn't necessarily see it so structured and Lego pieced along the way. It was this up and down and, and lots of, of conversations. And I, I feel, you know, for the marketers listening in, watching, they really need to know where the company is and get ahead of it. Because if they're just marketing a product today, it won't be before long if the company's thriving and growing that it's going to be a, a, a platform market. Their website's going to need to get redone. Uh, so much content's going to need to get redone. The, the messaging is going to get I need to run. What else did you find in, in the, in the re well, when did you go from having to start there and talk about those three P's, uh, to getting to the, the move framework? Why did you structure it that way in the book? Well, so when we start, it's about 70, 80% done. And then when we were reforming, because this is primarily for the C level. And so we had these conversation, Hey, Brian, like, 
let us talk through this. He's like, well, that's great. My team needs this, but I need a better way to look at this. I need to be able to talk to my VCs. I need to be able to communicate it at a much more macro level. And that really pushed us back to like, okay, wait a minute. If if they can't say it, then we this this will be an operating manual for the marketing operations person, which is fine, but we wanted it to, to help organizations get aligned from top to bottom. That's when your go-to-market really shines. So an example to think about for people when we started looking at this was, how do you know your go-to-market is broken? And I, and I think this, if, if people leave it, nothing else than... Then, uh, th- then this idea outside of what we talked the first time, call, yeah, somebody, call somebody who you haven't uh, <laughs> talked in a while. You absolutely, that's way more important than what I'm about to say. Uh, but if you want to know, is my go to, if you're still wondering, is your go-to-market broken? Like what, what might be the thing? So here are some things to think about. If you have an heroic salesperson who somehow comes in at the end of the month and, and gets the number up, your go-to-market is broken because that's no way to run a business. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, if you, if your churn is actually killing your business, which means you are able to get net new customers pretty easily, but you're not able to retain it. There is a mess between marketing sales and customer success. Your go-to-market team is these three teams together, not marketing, not just sales, customer success, sales, and marketing. Those three are your go-to-market revenue team. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you can't, uh, predict, you know, next quarter right now. That means you don't have a scalable, repeatable process. Your go-to-market is failing. And here's here's one of the classic ones I get all the time, which is, you know what? Our customer were excited to get in. They loved what we do. And when it's time to renew, uh, they don't know how to look at ROI. We don't know how to show ROI of what we do. Yeah. And so it's more of a nice to have than actually a painkiller. And then you you, you don't have your, your things together. So, so the reason this is important is because these are all small nooks and crannies in your business that will literally pull you down. And before you know, you may have this amazing message at the top on a website, so-and-so platform changes the world. But these nooks and crannies, if you don't fix it, you're going to slowly seep into this valley of debt that so many companies are not able to come out of. 100%. You in the book, I talked about this uh, on the podcast with Ken Narita. And we talked, because the podcast with Ken, we talked about the sales and marketing relationship and how that, that, that group needs to be one team. And I mentioned on that podcast that you and I were going to do an upcoming session uh, and, and add in the, the third leg of the stool, the customer success uh, team. And I often feel that marketing... Uh, doesn't spend enough time and focus there in terms of the if if this if this podcast and and everything that I talk about is about demand generation you cannot reach your peak you cannot grow to where you potentially can if you only form a relationship with sales if you only market for net new and not the install base in fact I would say that the install base is is way more important on your company size than actually net new at a, at a certain point, you always need to be growing and bringing in new customers. But if you're losing customers at, at, you know, even more than a 10% clip, the math, you can't, you're done. Like you're just not going to grow. I'll tell you, I'll give you a perfect story of this happened so recently, so fresh in me. And this, this will give context to everybody. What you're saying is so important, David. The, I was in a, in a, in a, with a CEO, bunch of VCs we're, we're, we're helping. They're trying to raise another round. They're trying to figure out the valuation for it. They're a hundred million dollar company. All right. hundred million dollar company. And we're looking at it and the valuation for that company is half a billion. Now that's really not good for a hundred million dollar company. If your valuation is half a billion 
it's in a SaaS industry that's kind of like, you know, 50 billion, $50 million company will have that uh, easily. So, so what's wrong? What was wrong was when you look at the numbers of that $100 million company, which is why I keep saying you could be a product market fit and a $100 million company not still not reach platform market fit is because almost 60% of their business that they had wasn't repeatable, wasn't scalable, was like they had to put more money in in order to keep that 60% alive. Mm -hmm. We literally looked at it. And after all this said and done, we were like, if you were a $40 million business today, not six, not not hundred. Actually, you were just forty million dollar business with this cohort of customers. That is such a repeatable use case thing that makes perfect sense. You have way more value to deliver over there, and if you could focus on that, just on that forty million dollar business, your valuation would be over a billion. But because you have this sixty percent that is dragging you and killing you and mm -hmm. adding cost to you, your valuation actually dropped by half a billion. The CEO was like. Gone, going crazy on this thing. And, and I could see it. I understand the pain, but this is the pain that we inflict on ourselves by not having customers success ahead yeah. of our business. Let's talk about the galvanizer. <laughs> you you, you rebranded the CMO uh, in the book and you, and you talked about CMO being the galvanizer. Yeah. You know, we, we looked at like, what are everybody's role? Like the CEO, CEO is the owner, the, the CMO is the galvanizer. And maybe we call the CRO as the orchestrator mm -hmm. and the galvanizer CMOs that the demand gen folks that are listening to this, you think about this as, as an example, CMO ultimately has so much insight into what's going on in the organization. He just does because of he or she just has so much, so many different touch points and marketing sales product at all levels. Yeah. But you can't change the business. You, you, you really can, or all you could really do is galvanize it and bring conversations to the table. So if you're really trying to build your business and take it forward, I would implore that look at something like this book and take the concepts of this book and go back to your executive team and saying, let's talk about this. What kind of go-to-market are we? Are we a product-led company? Are we a sales-led company? Are we a marketing-led company? Are we a category? Like have that conversation, yes. have a clear point of view. That's what galvanizers do. Then you can go and say, okay, now that we've decided what type of our, our growth is going to be, what how we're going to grow, let's talk about what stage of the business we are in. And you would find it all. I mean, this is, this is what happened. Every time I would go in, and if people can take this as a homework, go and just ask your executive team, what did they think? What stage of the business they are in? Chances are you'll get different answers. Some might say problems, some might say products, some might be platform. There, therein lies the issue. So right, right. your job is to bring all that together. So I hope this become more of a resource for yeah. you to truly galvanize internally where the problem is and how to resolve it. Yeah, I love it. I'm going to introduce you to the, the folks at Vistage. Um, I, I think for you to do some some tour time and get out there and, and talk at some of these groups, either they're national events or regional events. And for all of you listening, whether you are in marketing, whether you are in sales, whether you're a CEO uh, or, or aspire to be a leader in an organization, great book club topic, right? You know, get the book, share it with the people that are the implementers for change, the agents of change, uh, and look at the move framework and the other, the other concepts that Sangram has, you know, are you, um, still figuring out the problem that you were solving. Have you become uh, a product and what is that product? Who is it served? And when are you ready to become a platform and move in that direction? Because if, if you don't grow, you die that, you know, that there, there's no, there's no lifestyle businesses anymore. You will go out of business if you are a lifestyle business, unless you were shooting for the moon. Sangam, where can people get 
the book once it's available, which I'm sure by the time yeah. this aired, it's available. It is, yeah, it, it, it's on Amazon right now. You can go check it out. And in the on the book, when you get the book, you will see, you can go to themovebook.com, themovebook.com, where you will find all the resources, all the templates, the charts, the scorecards, all those things. As soon as the book releases on the 21st, they will be available on that website. Thank you, brother. I, I'm sure the book will do great, but no matter what, you are on the New York Times best giver list. I mean, you <laughs> always show up to give. Uh, you're making the resources available from the book. You make the book, you make the resources available, and and you make your time. Uh, and I hope once the world uh, gets out of lockdown, you you take the show on the road or have started uh, to already. Can't wait. I mean, even the the proceeds for this is good to my favorite charity that I think you and I have talked about. Yeah. Uh, goes to New Story, that is building homes for homeless. Yes. Uh, like nobody needs to be without a home ever. So that's yeah. uh, so a lot. I'm of glad it is you mentioned that. All the profits of the book. Uh, you know, Sangram doesn't do this uh, for his own profiteering or or for uh, his co-author. It this is to help you advance your business and it helped to uh, put a roof over people's head. Great, great job. Um, Thank you for 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 writing a book so that you and I could have a really good catch up. Um, yeah. I'm going to say bye to everybody else. Stick around, Sangram. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, to all of you, uh, thank you so much for tuning in to Demand Gen Radio. I love having authors on the show for you guys. Uh, there are so many books out there in the world. There's so much content out there in the world that if I can distill down to some of the content that I feel helps marketers and salespeople, in this case, even the C-suite, uh, advance your careers and advance your business. I, I love bringing these to your attention. So check it out, themovebook.com. That's going to do it for this episode. We'll catch you guys on the next one. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing.